0: The love of our God is something we will never fully understand, and He's an amazing, amazing God. If you're here for the first time this morning, we want to say a huge welcome to you. It's so good to have you with us, and it's good to be back from holidays. Uh, For those of you who might have been here, maybe you've been here the last two weeks and I haven't. Um, My name's Andrew, I'm the pastor here, and it's great to be in church together. It's great to get together and worship God, to encourage each other. And, you know, after church, we have a chance to, to have a coffee or just to sit and have a drink of water or just to go out in the playground and enjoy the sunshine and talk to each other and pray for each other and, and encourage each other in Christ. And I encourage you to, if you can, please stay around for that. I want to say Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year. Um, it's, it's a new year. It's, it's a new beginning. Every day is a new day. And God's mercies are new every day. It doesn't matter how 2017 went, it doesn't matter how yesterday went, today is a new day. And you can keep telling yourself that if you need to. Today is a new day. Today is a new day. What happened yesterday is in the past, and we're looking forward to the future. Amen? So you're looking forward to it. You're excited about it. That's good. That's good. Turn to the person beside you and say good day. Give them a high five for Jesus. Oh, come on, our high fives are getting a bit lazy there. Fantastic. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. But before I do, if there is any uh, parents this morning, uh, and you just need a little bit of space from your kids, no, just kidding. Uh, if, you, if your child needs some space uh, just to maybe run off a bit of energy or anything, please feel free to use the parents' room. It's got the TV and the sound in there. Um, so feel free to use that this morning if your kid's aren't at Bub's Church, and I just want to th- say thank you to those that volunteered to run Bub's Church while Bub's Church wasn't on, because Bub's Church is supposed to have a break during the holidays, but we decided this year it's wonderful having so many young children, but the more we have, the louder it gets, and we decided Bub's Church is such a vital thing for a growing church of young families, so I want to say thank you to those that volunteered for each of the weeks that we've had and those that are coming too. Let's pray. God, we thank you for life that you have given us. And God, we thank you for this day, Lord, for this year, 2018, that you have created, that you have given life to, that God, you have placed us here today. You have placed us on this part of the planet at this time in history. You've given us skills. You've given us gifts. You've given us experiences And God, we pray that you would use us for your glory. God, we thank you that you are worthy of our praise, that you are worthy of our lives. God, whether we're at school, whether we're working, whether we're retired, whether we're kids, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, whoever we are, God, I thank you that you know us. You know everything about us. You know our sin. You know our, our struggles. And Jesus, you died on the cross for every single one of us. Lord, your love for us is uncomprehendable. Lord. It's bigger than we can imagine. And God, I just pray today that you would so fill our hearts with a sense of your love, that God, you would, you would compel us, Lord, to praise you with our words, with our lives, with everything that we are, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wonder how many people have seen Veggie Tales. Hands up if you've seen Veggie Tales. I was so tempted this morning to play a whole Veggie Tales story to you uh, called King George and the Ducky, which is really about David and Bathsheba. But I found out it goes for half an hour, and I thought, well, I'd love to. But I feel like God's given me some other things to say as well. So I thought, what's the best thing I can do here? I can pray, play the preview of the story. Here we go. Fantastic. King George and the Ducky. Who's seen it? Who's read the story in the Bible that it's based on about David and Bathsheba? Fantastic. A lot of us have. So basically, King George has everything he could ever want. He has the most beautiful ducks and he thinks life is wonderful until he looks out one day. He's up on the roof wandering around and he looks out and he sees another rubber ducky in the bath. But we know it wasn't a rubber ducky he saw It was Bathsheba, he saw, which was actually King David. And we know that Israel was out at war. It says right at the beginning of the chapter that it's the season when kings went out to war. And it says the Ark of God was in a tent with the people of Israel at war. And yet David is back home in the palace, enjoying his comforts and his pleasures, and getting a little bit too disengaged from the battle. The kings, had, it was a season when kings would go out to war, but David is at home, and I think, to be honest, he's a little bit too focused on his pleasure. He gets a little bit distracted. He gets a little bit enticed by sin, and he falls for sin in that moment. You know, we can get disengaged from the battle God has called us to. Just this morning in the prayer meeting, God. Put on my heart to pray that this January wouldn't be a time when we just have holidays and festivity and, and times to just have fun, that we would disengage from the battle, but we would be refreshed and sharpened for the battle. God doesn't want us just to, just to relax and, and forget about His mission for us. He wants us to be refreshed so that we can live on mission for Him all the more. Uh, We had a great time away in Port Ferry, and we did a bit of uh, swimming and bike riding, and, you know, I I think I've told you about this before, but there's a bakery van, and it drives around the caravan park, and it pulls up out the front of our tent every day, two or three times. And I think, thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good to me. And it's great to go on holidays, but as I said last time we went on holidays, I don't ever want to live to go on holidays. I want my time between the holidays to be the thing that I live for. I don't want to live to go away and escape from what I do. I want to do what God has called me to do and love it and pour everything in my life into it for His glory. You know, David gets disengaged from the battle. He seeks comfort and pleasure. And as I'm looking at that, I think, wow, life is so short. You know, at best, maybe we might have a little more than 100 years. And I hope this isn't too confronting for anybody. Maybe you're 75, maybe you're 25, maybe you're 50. I think I'm the blue one, about 30. I think I'm 34, um, somewhere in my 30s. But life is so short. I remember getting to 20 years old and thinking, wow, if I live to 80, my life is one quarter over. It's like if you're, if you're 10 and you live to 100, your life is one tenth over. Life is so short. Seriously, it is over in an instant in the scheme of eternity. I think, where did 2017 go? Life flashes before our eyes so, so fast. And God help us to make it count. Have a listen to what Paul says in Philippians. He says, I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. This is why he died on the cross. He he died to Bring us into the kingdom of heaven. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Jesus died for our sin, but He doesn't want us to say, fantastic, we've got a ticket to heaven, let's just sit back and enjoy the ride. He says, press on. Struggle, strive, do everything you can to give glory to God and help others know the hope that you have in Him. It doesn't matter if you're in school, it doesn't matter if you're in preschool, it doesn't matter if you're retired, it doesn't matter what, what you do, God is calling us to press on towards the goal. Forget about the past. Strain forward into 2018 to say, God, how can I give you glory? How can I honour you in this year, God. Then in the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, it says in verse 12, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Does anyone have weak knees? Actually, just as I said that, I remembered as during the worship time this morning, I just suddenly felt like I had a sore elbow, and I thought, I don't think I've got a sore elbow, it's not sore now, and I just thought, I wonder if there's someone here today who has a sore elbow. Does anyone have a sore elbow? There's my left elbow, and sometimes God... Sometimes he's given me a word that has been for someone else when I have a sore place and it's then actually it's their sore place. No one has a sore elbow. Well he cares about it if you do, if you do have a sore elbow, Ed has a sore elbow. Is it your left? Two us, two sore elbows. I just want to pray for Ed right now. God, we just thank you for Ed. Lord God, we thank you for that sore elbow that God knows every one of our pains. He knows every one of our hurts. God, we just pray for healing to come to his elbows. Lord God, we just pray for strength. Lord, where there's stiffness. Lord, let it be free in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that you care about every one of our lives, every detail of our lives. Lord, you care about it. We give you thanks and praise. Amen. Amen. He says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Maybe last year was a hard year. Maybe you feel like you made it to the end and it was a struggle but you got there just and you're thinking, ah, 2018, I'm going to take a rest. But God would say, strengthen your grip. Take a new grip with your tired hands. I wonder what would that look like this year? In January, what what do you see on the TV in January. What do, you, what do you hear about in the news, in the media? There is so much sport in January in Australia. From the Boxing Day test and to the Big Bash, and then the tennis starts, and then the cycling, the Tour Down Under that starts tonight on Channel 9. Um, and I know you're all excited, and all this sport's happening everywhere. <laughs> I think it's uh, 8.30 now. <laughs> I have no idea. Um... And there's so much sport happening. And people get so excited. They get so into their sport in January and they're staying up late. Sometimes too late. And, uh, you know, the the champion is never the one who goes out there and thinks, oh, this guy's too good for me. I'm just going to do my, just have a hit. And hopefully I'll get a decent score and not look too bad. And it'll be all okay. I'll live to fight another day. The champion is the one who goes out there and says, you know what? My last game against these guys was really hard but I'm going to fight my hardest. I'm going to take a new grip with my tired hands. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to give my best and trust, or maybe not trust God, but we can trust God to see what happens. The champion is the one who goes out and and does their best with the ability God's given them and faces every ball like it's the one that God has appointed for us. Every day is the day that God has appointed for us. Last couple of weeks, I've listened to the podcast and I heard that Peter Mickelson and Mike last week both talked about Matthew 11 verse 12. It says the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And Mike was talking about walking by faith and not by sight. And Peter Mickelson was talking about New Year's resolutions, how they can seem a little bit trivial at times, but how we so need to get a new resolution sometimes of what God has called us to be and to do and to have a resolve to be and do what God has called us to. And this morning I want to talk about facing the good fight. I could have called it fighting the good fight, but it's not about our fight. It's about standing up where God has placed us and facing the good fight that God has positioned us for. We're in a battle. It's not a physical battle, it's not a, it's not a war in the physical, but in the spiritual. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Remember that, it's His mighty power, not ours. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the piece that comes from the good news, so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And I know Pat asked us to pray for her this morning. She's just in mercy right now. And God, we just commit Pat into your care. God, we just thank you for this lady. God, we just pray for her strength, that, Lord, you would give her your peace and your joy. Lord, I just think of Bill too, Lord, who's gone into um, Bronger Gardens, Lord. Lord, that you would also let your, let your presence be so real to him this morning, Lord God. Lord, for every person we know that may be unwell or just needs your comfort at this time, we pray for all those people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In verse 19, and he says, and, he, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. That the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Oh, Paul asked them to pray for boldness. And of all the people on the earth I've ever known of, Paul Seemed like the boldest already. God, give us all boldness to, to proclaim the truth. You know, there is a battle going on between good and evil, but it's not like Star Wars. It is not a battle between good and evil that is constantly a, an equal and opposite opposing force. We're not into Taoism or, or, or Chinese philosophy that Star Wars, to be honest, is more like than Christianity. There's a battle going on between good and evil, but we we know who the stronger one is. We know that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. We know that God is the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all places. And Satan is not. Darkness is a defeated foe. It's going down. It's been defeated at the cross. We still have battles to face, but Jesus has won the battle. He's won the victory. We know who the winner is. We know who the winning side is, and we don't have to struggle with this fear of maybe darkness is going to overcome the light. The light always overcomes the darkness. In Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse 11, he says, But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate. In other words, guys, get this, that you obey his, this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only Almighty God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die, and He lives in light so brilliant that no human can ever can approach Him. No human eye has ever seen Him, nor ever will. All honour and power to Him forever. Amen. We have an awesome God. We have an all-powerful God. He's the one who spoke and planets came into being. He is the creator God. And I, you just hear Paul writing to Timothy, and he's giving him instructions, and he just starts to focus on God, and he just starts to. I think it's almost like he gets distracted by God's greatness. He's the King of all kings, he's the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die. His light is so brilliant. It's like Timothy trusts in this God. Fight the good fight. Timothy, he alone is the one that our hope is worthy to be put in. He alone is the one that will never die. He alone is the holy, true, and living God. We're called to fight the good fight with him, Timothy. Church, we are called to fight the good fight with God, with Jesus. But maybe you think, what does that look like? Okay, Andrew, we're in a spiritual battle. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kid in grade two at school. I'm a, I'm a kid at secondary school. I'm, a, I'm going to uni this year, Andrew. What does that look like? I'm a baker. I'm a farmer. I'm a teacher. I'm a lawyer. Whatever you do. What does it look like to fight the good fight? It's going to look different for every one of us. But there's one thing that is common to every one of us. And if we're, going to call, if we're going to fight the good fight, we've got to obey God. We've got to read His Word. We've got to listen to Him. As Mike talked about last week, we've got to know, the, the, got to know His voice. Every time I go outside at night and I hear the frogs, I think, wow, we've got to know God's voice. Every time I go out at night, it's just, it's just, I the frogs is like, oh, got to know God's voice. I love it, Mike. That's fantastic. If we're going to fight the good fight, Faithfully. We've got to know what God is saying and obey. Have a listen to what he says in the next verses of of one Timothy chapter six. In verse seventeen he goes on and he says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. You know, you get money, you spend it, it's gone would be great if it hung around, wouldn't it? Like you could spend it and it still helped you out afterwards. It's so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. You know, that baffles me. That, that's extraordinary, that God gives us all we need for our enjoyment. He actually gives us things for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future, so that they may experience true life, eternal life. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you. You all basically paul says instructs timothy says you know timothy if you're gonna if you're gonna fight the good fight you've got to teach people who jesus is you've got to teach them to to use their wealth wisely and not to trust in their wealth and if we're a follower of christ jesus called us to go and make disciples If we're a follower of Christ, if we're going to fight the good fight, one of the things he's called every one of us to do is to teach people about who God is. The role of a pastor and teacher, apostle, evangelist, isn't to do all the teaching. It's to help the body of Christ do the teaching. To tell others about Jesus, to teach them the truth about God. If we're going to fight the good fight, we're going to have to do some teaching. It's not about having a classroom and, and, and teaching from the front with a blackboard or a whiteboard or whatever. But it's about teaching people through our lives and through our conversations. It's about helping people understand as we catch up at the beach, whatever it might be, what God has done for us and for them. Paul instructs Timothy, guard your heart. He says, what, guard what God has entrusted to you. Don't let this seed of faith be, be snuffed out. Don't let that flame flicker out. Guard it. Feed that fire. Read the Word. Get into God. Understand what He wants you to do. Guard your heart, Timothy. Guard your heart, church. He says, be careful how you live. Avoid godless talk. Don't wander off. Don't just go off with, without purpose in your steps. Go ahead with, with purpose, Timothy. Be careful how you live, because how you live will speak volumes to the world around you. And finally, he says, trust God. May you trust in the grace of God. May you trust in His grace. Church, if we're going to fight the good fight, there's four things we all need to do. We need to teach, we need to guard our own hearts, we need to be careful how we live and we need to trust God as we go. You know, we're talking about the spiritual battles that we face, but so often in the Old Testament there's a, there's a physical reality, a, a physical thing that happens that is representative of a spiritual thing that is going to happen later on. And in 2 Samuel 23, we read about David's mightiest men. These are are physical warriors. These are men that go into battle against armies and nations. And it talks about the three. And it talks about the 30 men who are David's mightiest men. And we read in 2 Samuel 23 about Jashubim. This guy stood in in a battle with a spear and defeated 800 men. This one man with a spear defeated 800 men. And then we read about Eliezer who fought the whole Philistine army with David until they were defeated. And they ran off and eventually the Israelite army came back to Eliezer and David. And then we read about Shammah, the man who stood in a field full of lentils and fought back the enemy. A field full of lentils. A lot of people wouldn't have bothered. Who would fight for a lentil, they say. Shammah cared about those lentils. He wasn't backing down he was standing for god in that field for lentils and it talks about their mighty acts how they would what the things that they did they were in a physical battle but was it their strength was it was it their tactics was it their physical might that gave them success i don't think so i'm sure they were well trained they were experienced they, I'm sure they were confident from the battles they'd faced and the, the victories God had given them. But I believe that they were successful in battle because they fought with God. They didn't fight against God, they fought with God. They listened to God and they fought the battles God told them to fight. Let's not go picking any battles God's not calling us to fight. Sometimes we need to know how to walk away from the fight. I don't know how many times at school I talk to the kids as a chaplain and I say, you know, the toughest guy walks away from the fight. <laughs> and I just wish you would. <laughs> you know, David's word in the in the passage just before this is it's like a psalm of David and he's talking about God's goodness and he says, the one who lives in the fear of God will stand. And David's men knew the fear of God, and they stood because they feared God. When others ran, Eliezer and Shammah and Jeshabim stood because they trusted God. When others didn't think it mattered, when others didn't care about those lentils, Shammah stood in that field of lentils. When others were afraid, you know what? I think they were afraid too. But they trusted God even more than they were afraid of the enemy. Let's trust God even more than we might fear that thing that we might be afraid of. In the next chapter of Second Samuel 24, King David goes to buy a field. I should give you the backstory just quickly. Basically, David has taken a census that he shouldn't have and, and God says, go and buy this, this uh, threshing floor and David goes to buy this, this threshing room and some ox. From uh, Aruna, the owner of the of the threshing floor, and he goes to him and Aruna says, No, you can have it, David, it's yours. Go and make the sacrifice. You can have the ox. You don't have to buy any of it, David. You're a king and I want to give it to you. And David says, No way are you just gonna give it to me for nothing. I will not give a sacrifice to God that costs me nothing. David says, I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. David is saying, in other words, I don't want to just give a sacrifice to God that, that, that cost me nothing, that basically I could have given whether I really cared about it or not. I care about obeying God. I don't I don't just want to do this because God told me to. I'm gonna do it with with passion, I'm gonna give everything I have into it, I'm gonna pay what deserves to be paid for this this room, for these ox, and I'm gonna give it with joy. I'm gonna give this sacrifice with joy. And you know, it's so easy for us to say we have faith in God, we love God, we praise God, while it costs us nothing. It's easy to say we agree with God while our opinion is the same as His. But when He calls us to do something that's a little bit hard, when He calls us to do something that just seems a little bit challenging, when it seems a little bit beyond what we can naturally do, will we still obey and step forward, maybe it is a sacrifice to obey and do that thing. You know, life is short and we only have one chance in this life to make it count for the glory of God. Life is short and I thank God that we're a part of a church that doesn't just say they love God and then ignore Him through the week. I thank God that we're a part of a church that people step out of their comfort zones and tell people about Jesus. That they go out of their way to go and say, hey, I feel like God was just saying to me to to, to encourage you in this thing. I thank God that we've got people in this church that give of their their time to, to invite people to church, to bring people to church. I thank God that we're a part of a church that people... Are so passionate about Jesus that they want to glorify Him and honor Him and do things like Kids Hope and Christians Against Poverty and help people in financial difficulty. I thank God that we have people that run kids' programs. And right now we have people who love Jesus and just want others to hear the message of Jesus, so they run Bub's Church. And they create lessons for kids' church and they spend hours praying and thinking and preparing things so that young people might hear about Jesus. We have youth and we have seniors' programs because people love Jesus and they want others to know His love and be encouraged. I want to say thank you. I want to encourage you to take a new grip with tired hands. I thank God that we have a church that isn't complacent just to stay as we are. We could have quite easily not built an extension on the hall. But I thank God that we have a church that's willing to give and to sow into the future so that more and more and more young people might know about Jesus. I thank God that every year we're able to give thirty forty thousand to missions, thirty forty thousand dollars to missions every year. And every year hundreds, if not thousands, of people are impacted by this church around the world with the gospel because of the generosity of people in this church. Every month, 500 or more people get fed in Papua New Guinea because of the giving of this church. Hundreds of young people, hundreds of people in the Philippines are ministered to and blessed every week, every year because of this church. I'll say thank you from Pastor Joe and Pastor Annie who ran special Christmas um, outreaches that had to be postponed until after Christmas because of the floods. But they were able to do that because of giving from this church. Every year we give a special... A little bit extra for them to run those programs in Africa right now we have a, a South Sudanese pastor who is ministering to hundreds of people in his congregation it's about six seven eight hundred people in a, in a refugee camp in Kenya and he ministers to them because of the support of this church for African actions and others I want to say thank you for your generosity It's not just about doing it while it's easy. It's about giving our lives for the glory of God. I want to finish by asking you, what does it look like for you? For you personally? For you to press on towards the goal in 2018? For you to renew your vision and say, God, help me to run with purpose in every step. Help me to remember what The the goal is, help me to remember, Lord, what it is you've called me to. Maybe being faithful to that call is to say no to some other things. Maybe it's that thing you were going to say no to that you need to say yes to. What does it look like for you to take a new grip with tired hands? Maybe it does mean taking a break and then having fresh hands to get at it anew and just go at it like there's no tomorrow. You know, I'm no big fan of cricket, I've got to say. I re- I'm really not. I'm sorry. But you know what? I love the big bash cricket. I was like, well, the first half I don't really care about, but the last five, four or five overs are fantastic. I love it. And I hate it that it finishes just a little bit later than I'd like. Anyway, now, um, four or five overs to go, you sort of get a picture of what's going to happen in, in the game. You sort of think, oh, these guys have got no chance of making the, the run rate that they need. And you see some guys, they come out, they've four, four overs to go, and they just know that they've already lost. And they, sort of, they hit a few around, and they, they, they sort of give it a shot, so it looks like they're trying, and they lose. But then you see these other guys, and they come out, and, and they come out, and they've got to get warmed up, so they stand there for their first ball, and, and the ball comes, and it's they, they, their first ball, and they just like here we go, whack, and it goes for six, and the crowd goes wild, and they're like, there's a chance, there's a chance. And the next ball comes, and they just whack it for four, and then they whack it for six, and then they nearly go out, and then they whack the next one for four. And every ball, they just hit it like there's no, no second chance. Because there is no second chance. The game's going to be over, and our lives will be over. But will we go out with per- like the, with the purpose like that batsman who says, this may be hard. This may be difficult. I've got lots of chances of being humiliated here, but I'm going to swing at this with everything I've got. I'm going to step up to the line. I'm going to step up to the crease and say, here I am, and I'm giving my all. God calls us to fight the good fight, to stand and be counted for his kingdom. Have a listen to what it what, uh, says, says about David in the last verse of 2 Samuel 24, verse 25. It says, that's how the band had come to. David built an altar there to the Lord. So he buys the, the, the threshing floor, he buys the oxen. It says David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. You know, David had done the wrong thing. But then he obeys God, he buys the field, he sets up the altar. And he makes a sacrifice. And he says, God, I'm sorry for the things we've done. God, please forgive us. Lord, help us. The plague had wiped out so many people. And God sa- he says to God, please, God, strengthen us again. Give us grace and lead us forward. And this morning, I just feel that God might be saying to some of us that we need to Like David set up an altar, we may need to make a step and say, I'm making today a day of sacrifice. I'm going to do something to say, I'm going to stand for you, God. I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm sorry for getting disengaged with the battle like David did. And maybe you want to come forward to the altar and say, God, here I am, use me. Maybe that's a sacrifice for you to say, humbly, come before God and say, here I am, use me. I was wondering, can we close our eyes? Can we stand? God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that we have a hope in you that is sure that your promise is unshakable, that anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ will be saved. God, I thank you for the lives that have been touched in the, in, the, in the year previous, God. And the year that has been, we give you thanks and praise for those that have been ministered to, those lives that have been transformed by the message of your gospel. And God, I just pray individually, God, that you would touch our hearts afresh, that, Lord, we would forget the past in the things that have happened, the things that we've done, and we would look to this new year with fresh focus, with fresh enthusiasm, with fresh fight, God. That, God, we would stand up and be counted as a part of your body on this earth. That we would be the ambassadors of Christ that you've called us to be. I thank you, God, that you have given gifts to every person in this room, different to every other person. That, God, we would stand and fight the good fight for your glory, God. God, I just pray for anyone this morning that they know that they've just pulled back, that they've taken the foot off the pedal, they've disengaged from the battle maybe where you've called them to step in. God, I just pray that there'd be a renewed sense of stepping in this morning, God, that you would refresh that fire within us, that you would strengthen us, that we would live for your glory in this year to come. Lord, if there's anyone here today that they've never put their trust in you, that they've never understood why you went to the cross, Jesus. You know, today you can say sorry to God for your sin. You can thank him that he died on the cross for your sin and he will accept you. He will forgive you. And you can know eternal life. You can have a relationship with God in this life. If there's anyone here today and that's you, you can say... Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. The Bible says anyone who comes to Him, he will not turn away. This morning, if that's you in any of those categories and you would like someone to pray with you, maybe you've really had a hard battle in in the last week, in the last year, maybe it's been 10 years, and you'd like someone to pray with you this morning, I encourage you to come forward. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're a department leader or a part of our prayer team, I encourage you just to come and pray for those ones this morning. We're going to stand and we're going to sing this song. Cornerstone, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope is built on nothing less, and we're going to stand and declare that to the world this year. Amen? Amen. Please, if you'd like prayer, let's just come as we sing this song.